Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. In this strange new world, we are on to our second tennis podcast of the week. Um, so we are going to just make the best of it. And the French Open has given us plenty to get our teeth into. Catherine, uh, Matt, how are you doing? The, the same. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've not moved from this chair for about four days. No. No, we we uh, we we had um, another conversation last night in these very chairs, and uh, yeah, basically we're we're just meeting every day. I'm virtually. Um, I've got really big plans to put a bra on today. That is oh. my <laughs> schedule for the day. Information I wasn't <laughs> expecting, but never, nevertheless appreciated. And I'm now at the stage where I'm I'm now not unpacking my case because it's like an activity. And I'm trying to ration activities. <laughs> saving it up. <laughs> I'm saving it for a, a treat day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Today I decided I would put a bra on, wash my hair and put some mascara on. And that would make me feel um, vaguely normal. That but, suitcase but, is going to be in its <laughs> current state. And you'll be like pre-packed for the next tournament. No, because I am going to unpack it now because, I mean, it will make me feel useful, which is a feeling I haven't felt for a while. <laughs> OK, well, look what you're doing right now. You're doing the tennis podcast. Yeah. That's useful. I was doing my Ask Me Anything on Reddit last night on the, on the with the community. It was great fun. I got asked loads of tough questions. It was great fun until afterwards when you looked like a broken man. Well, they they were grilling me and I also had two gin and tonics and I've never done that before. So... Um, David doesn't don't... know what ratio of gin to tonic is appropriate mm. in a gin no. and tonic. We think it was more like told six me. gin and tonics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six gin and tonic law. Oh, anyway. Uh, yeah, so the reason we're doing this is A, it's a laugh, and B, the, uh, the French Open has decided to move itself. Just just decided uh, out of the blue. And we, we got a, a note, what was it? Two days ago, uh, we're, we're just sitting there in the afternoon and suddenly we get 
notification that the, the French Open is moving from its dates in late May, early June to late September, early October, 20th of September to the 4th of October, to be precise. That's just six days after the US Open is due to conclude. That means that Rafael Nadal would be trying to defend his two current Grand Slam singles titles within six days of each other on completely different surfaces on in completely different continents. Um, so good luck, Rafa, <laughs> with that. Um, and basically, the French Open, it turns out, pretty much did not tell anybody. They're, I think that they we, we heard later that they'd called Nadal uh, to let him know that, that that's what they were doing, given that he's won 12 of the things and he's kind of got a sort of ownership of it. Did now. anyone record that call? Well, that's what we're told. Um, we are also hear that there was just a sort of communication confirming that they were going to do it for the tours. No kind of talking about whether that's okay. <laughs> just... Tell you what, folks, we're, we're going to move ourselves. Um, and so it came as a huge shock. From what I understand, the other slams weren't really aware of it. Um, and then we got some withering responses in, a, in, the, in, in the politest, most sort of passive, aggressive style imaginable from, uh, from the other tournaments. It, it really was quite something to behold. Simon Briggs used the phrase that they threw, threw some shade at... <laughs> oh, my goodness, I wonder if that's Simon. the first time he's ever written that in one of his columns. <laughs> it, he definitely looked that up in the Urban Dictionary yes. beforehand. It, it, the irony is that it's sort of the ultimate act of tennis self-interest, because it, it, it was just a shameless... I mean, I'll, I'll go on in a minute. So, I, I mean, I found it sort of quite understandable really but a a shameless land grab from the french open in the FF, fft the 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 most blatant act of tennis self-interest has resulted in the most unity we've ever seen from from tennis governing bodies ever i mean all, it turns out all they needed was to unite over a common enemy and they found that enemy. I mean, suddenly we've had joint statements from the ATP and the WTA. Suddenly we've had the USTA releasing this um, statement, which is extremely pointed and, and yeah, let, let, let me read that aimed at the quickly. FFT. But the, the subtext is, well, we're all going to stick together and make decisions as one, even if you can't get on board with that, as if like that's what tennis does. But historically, that isn't what tennis does. This is what the United States Tennis Association said. The USTA is continuing to plan for the 2020 US Open and is not at this time implementing any changes to the schedule. These are unprecedented times, though, and we are assessing all of our options, including the possibility of moving the tournament to a later date. At a time when the world is coming together, we recognize that such a decision should not be made unilaterally, and therefore the USTA would only do so in full consultation with the other Grand Slam tournaments, the WTA, the ATP, the ITF, and our partners, including the Labour Cup. The Labour Cup got a little mention there, uh, given that, as, as they say, they're partners. And then the Labour Cup uh, came <laughs> out, because this, this actually crosses right over their week, uh, the, the French Open would basically be taking place at the same time as the uh, Labour Cup in Boston. And they said 
This announcement came as a surprise to us and our partners, Tennis Australia, the USTA and the ATP. It raises many questions and we are assessing the situation. At this time, we want our fans, sponsors, broadcasters, staff, volunteers, players and the great city of Boston to know that we intend to hold Labour Cup 2020 as currently scheduled. So... They're not moving anywhere in there. I mean, as, as I mean, they are, aren't they? If tennis happens as normal, I mean, I I rather f- suspect and fear that all of this will become academic and feel <laughs> silly to have even <laughs> wasted so much time debating it. But if tennis does proceed as normal in that portion of the year, Labour Cup is not proceeding as planned. I mean, well, that's you, you wouldn't have thought that that was exactly the priority, really, on the on the on a grand scheme of things. I'll bring you in in a minute, Matt, just to say the ATP and the WTA then released a joint statement. When does this ever happen? Which is seismic. The, yeah, and the concluding paragraph of it says, "Now is not a time to act unilaterally, but in unison. All decisions related to the impact of the coronavirus require appropriate consultation and review with the." St- review with the stakeholders in the game, a view that is shared by ATP, WTA, ITF, All England Lawn Tennis Club, Tennis Australia and USTA. The only people missing there are the FFT who organise the French Open. So... Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Roland Garros, is what they're saying. So we've got a massive standoff. We've also had players firing off views left, right and centre, saying that they knew nothing about it and and basically just agro-central, which, you know, I I know in these particular times one perhaps shouldn't be taking such great enjoyment out of agro, but there is a bit of enjoyment to be had from just that element of it. Um, and just as a news story, it just stopped us in our tracks. Matt, your response. Yeah, I think of all the things which have happened in the last 10 days, this was the one that made me most conflicted over it. I, I really didn't know how to feel. When it when it first happened, I thought it was just sheer disbelief. It was like, hang on, you're telling me the French Open is now in October? Like, this is the alternate reality that we're now living in. It was just confirmation of that. Then, a bit like Catherine said, I kind of thought, actually, maybe maybe this is a good thing. This is a tennis event doing something proactively and making an event slightly more likely to happen at a time when everything's just falling off the calendar. You know, I, I was reminded of that. I don't know whether you've seen Star Wars Rogue One, which feels like an, an appropriate film to quote with the French Open going a bit rogue. But there's a, there's a it's, it's on my list of eighty eight films to watch <laughs> over the next month. Well, there's a there's a droid in that who says uh, we have a problem on the horizon because there is no horizon. As one of the oh, what a great line! As one of the planets is sort of disappearing before them, and it feels like the tennis horizon has just been disappearing. So to have an event that feels like it might possibly happen, struck me as a good thing. But then I thought, hang on a minute, this is an awful lot of political fallout and collateral damage to create for an event which might not happen because of coronavirus. Um, He quotes Greek mythology. He quotes Star Wars. (laughs) It all works. That's why he's here, folks. Don't just rely on me and Ice Age. Got to have some, some substance. Um, I mean, it is an an outrageous move. It is absolutely outrageous. I mean, I 
I have some sympathy with it because I can imagine them just thinking, I, I, I mean, maybe this isn't what they thought. Maybe they didn't consider any of this, but them just thinking, well, obviously, you know, the the ideal situation is that tennis comes together as one and kind of redesigns uh, a a calendar w- within whatever new parameters we end up with and we all make a cohesive harmonious um decision and announcement along those lines but obviously there is zero chance of that happening because <laughs> i mean up up until the French Open went nuclear. The ATP and the WTA weren't even able to release a, a joint statement about anything. So I can understand why them them thinking, well, we're just going to look after ourselves then. It's all so fragmented and disjointed. The chances of any kind of unity are nil. So we'll just go rogue. And we are French. So we'll, you know, as with the roof... And, you know, many other decisions that they've made over the years, there is a sort of, we'll just, we'll just do what we please. Thanks very much. And of course, it's it's extremely selfish. And we'd all love to live in a, in an alternate universe where all of tennis is acting in tennis's interest. But when has that ever been the case? That is... Definitely a very, very good point. If you think back historically and how how little progress has been made with getting anything anything meaningful to change in the calendar. When it, if you ask pretty much if anybody in the sport, they go, Oh, if only if only we could change the calendar, if only you could do something with it. And then when you actually look at it, nobody's really got the the, the desire to, to ruffle enough feathers or to certainly give any ground in order to make any of that happen i think mike dixon in the mail was saying that the the precedent is wimbledon moving itself back a week in the calendar to make a bigger grass court season now i mean that strictly speaking he he's right but it's such a tiny example of of a single week and i'm actually i did think how refreshing that was because that just seemed to make sense and and I don't know whether they had to kind of give something of themselves in order to do that. I don't know whether it costs them anything to move back that week, but it just worked. Um, usually in in tennis, if you look back over history, go back to 1973, there was a player boycott in order to make things change. And if you look back at the start of the ATP circuit, you've got Mats Valander in a car park organising a press conference because he was the world number one and saying the governance of the sport has got to change. You look at the, the formation of the WTA and Billie Jean King getting a group of players in a room and just saying, no, we will not, we will not go along with this anymore. And whilst this feels this feels different in it because it isn't the players this is a tournament just saying screw you all we'll do what we want and you sort yourselves out um you kind of feel like maybe this is what might lead to proper change in the future it may i mean gee it sounds terrible but maybe the blooming coronavirus is going to be ultimately what changes the calendar perhaps for the better in the long run. I don't I mean it sounds crazy to think it. Well, you know, even even here we're talking about being able to do things that we've never been able to do before 
from a kind of creative perspective on the podcast, given that we've got not got tennis events to talk about, so we can do other things. Perhaps this gap, this period of emptiness in the calendar is is the time that tennis needs for parties to come together, not not literally, um, but to make some better decisions for the better of the sport. But as you said, the fact that it's taken this nuclear reaction from the French Open to jolt, jolt a sense of togetherness is ridiculous. It's, uh, it, it's uh, I mean, the subplot also of this amazing troll of Roger Federer. Like, you pull out of our event, we'll bulldoze all over your events. <laughs> well, the thing is, the Labour Cup sprung up in a week which had other events going anyway. Absolutely. The Labour Cup has done this to other events and has inadvertently, I mean, we talked about it with the Davis Cup and potentially a combined Davis and ATP Cup. I, most people are in agreement that that's the prime week for that, the the week that, that Labour Cup is currently occupying. So they've done their own land grabbing. And, and you know, comes back to the point. Everybody is pretty much been been working in their own interests. So, can you blame the French Open for for doing that? You can criticise them because it'd be lovely if they were thinking of more than just themselves. But I understand it. And I mean, do you get the sense that this will lead to? change in the future or does it feel more like just change for this year you know the calendar this year is up in flames do we do we try and schedule events when they would normally happen or do we try and prioritize the big events with more points more prize money more players if we eventually do get back and playing i don't i don't really know the answer to that but I, th I think what it does do is it provides a platform to properly consider that for the first time because when have they ever had to bother before? Mm. When has anybody ever cared enough, really? Suddenly they haven't got a tournament, some of these places, and they need, they're forced to sit down and work everything out. Maybe this is the time that they could think, do you know what, actually that worked better there, or this really should be there. Um, why don't we see if we can sort that out? Um, but in the short term, I, I, I'm most interested to see, let's say the coronavirus clears sufficiently to allow sport to take place as it currently is scheduled now we should we should add that since we were last on i think since we were last on yeah they they sh shelved the entire clay court season there will be no clay court tennis at all in the spring this year and tennis is due to start again on june the 8th um just ahead of of all the grass court season so we'll we'll see whether that's going to be possible if tennis does resume for the grass court season or if it doesn't and it resumes in the summer in the american hard court season will this stand will the french open be allowed to be played the week after the u.s open that's what fascinates me because <sighs> you're basically saying to them okay no no you can't do that uh, move because they've they've Oh, forget the Labour Cup for a second, because to me, I, I think I it's, it's it's largely an irrelevance. <laughs> On this level, it's an irrelevance. Yeah, it is. It, it, um, it is. The, the tournament we should be talking about is is the one in, for instance, Wuhan, which is where the where we were most concerned about a month ago. That's where we thought we weren't going to be able to get tennis at the end of the year, um, and and the whole Chinese 
swing there, the the whole Asian swing. Um, maybe that's not going to be possible either, given given the extent of what they've had to deal with. But is the French Open going to be allowed to go ahead six days after the US Open? That's that's what I want to know, and I don't know the answer to it. When you say be allowed, who will stop them? Um, because I mean, this has been a okay. Well, will the players this has been a bit of a lesson for for me in in the just the just the procedures of tennis i didn't realize that tournaments could make unilateral decisions like this i thought there would be something written into their um constitutions or something that they had to seek approvals of various stakeholders to make these decisions you know in indian wells making their decision to cancel french open making their decision to move i didn't realize that they could just do that um so, uh, and I don't see them moving now. But the players, the players could up. boycott Catherine. And and the eight. I was reading in L'Equipe that the ATP has the power to take away rankings points from the French Open. Ooh, yeah. And does the WTA have the same power? I would have. I would imagine so. Hmm. <clears throat> Will the players boycott Rafael Nadal boycotting the French Open? Yeah, but I mean, they don't necessarily all need to do it. Uh, you could get, for instance, I mean, Novak Djokovic, what I read was that Novak Djokovic wasn't called uh, as a man who could be trying to win the calendar slam this year. And I don't know, I just sort of... I just sort of wonder whether some players just might, might say, well, no, screw screw that. I'm not going to play. I know it's a grand slam, but maybe, maybe they will. And the other view... I think if a, a boycott's a... going to, to happen, it will be a show of unity. It will be a tour-wide boycott, don't you think? Yeah, Rather than individual other... players, it will be... It, just as these statements have, have shown, they will be wanting to make a show of their unity. In well, the, face, the, of the, in the face of the, it's it's a pretty big deal. The other thing I should say is that there is a also a school of thought from a number of people that that say, look, frankly, yes, we understand the players might be a bit miffed at not being consulted, but frankly, if they get two or three Grand Slams still to play in twenty twenty from here, they should be counting their lucky stars, and yeah. we all should. And that's, and I think. I think more players would actually feel like that. I think there's an outspoken minority who have been very outspoken about being upset about the decision-making process. But I think when push comes to shove and they have the opportunity to play an extra Grand Slam, I think a lot of players will be seizing that opportunity. We'd be loving it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if it proceeds as the calendar currently looks, there would be no clay court warm-up events. Prior to the no. French Open, I mean that's Who would not that favor? that's not good for Nadal, is it? Nadal needs rhythm. And who's who's that going to favor? Although he has traditionally just got on clay and started winning. He didn't last year. No, he's getting older. I mean, I mean, maybe that if one thing is for sure during this period, everyone is getting older. <laughs> what 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 if he pulled out of the U.S. Open and played the French? Well, I Open? did think that until I remembered he was the U.S. Open defending <laughs> champion. And I, I don't know, two thousand points 
that stuff matters yeah, as but well. He's, he might. I mean, the French is where he can yeah. more likely win a win a twentieth major to if, draw level. With imagine if, if no more tennis happens this year or no more Grand Slams happen this year. I mean, Djokovic will have won the calendar slam. <laughs> He'll, he'll be unbeaten. Yeah, <laughs> as he, as and he, as he's he, gone the year unbeaten. As he was kidding about. Oh, God. How is that just yeah, like Yeah, has he three brought this ago? all on us? Ken- by, uh... <laughs> Sophia Kenin, calendar slam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it counts. My word, what a, what a situation. It'll be, it, will, you'll, he, it would forever be the Jan Kodesh. Yes. The asterisk. Jan Kodesh, of course, the, uh, the player that, the uh, the male player that won uh, Wimbledon in the boycott year. Yeah. So we watch with with interest. I mean, there's nothing else being really going on except conversation what, over that for the last few days. What do you think? Do you think there'll be a boycott? No. No, I don't. I, I think that there that there would be some posturing, um, but I think I think ultimately people would just be so desperate to play again. At all this year. I mean, look, life has just been turned upside down for everybody. It's it's impossible to properly put into words what's happening in the world. Um, I, so bet I, you, I bet you a just... load of clay court challenger events would pop up during the second week of the US Open Yeah, for players yeah. that lose early in the US Open. And I think that they can they can organise that a bit yeah. shorter notice generally anyway. They don't give you a full calendar of challenges. I also loved how the French Open was just ploughing on with its Sunday start, <laughs> even, though <that> makes, <laughs> yes. even though that makes it even closer to the US Open. <laughs> they were just like... More long-winded. Yeah, this is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean... Uh, I also like the wording that, that, that they... they they didn't um, ask for permission. They asked for forgiveness. <laughs> yes. Have they asked for forgiveness? Yes. Oh, we're doing that's it. quite sweet, we're, really, isn't it? We'd really like you to, to, to forgive us, but we're doing it, everybody. <laughs> Stick that in your pipe and smoke Maybe it. Maybe they just wanted to give us all something to talk about. I'm well, very grateful got, for that. Got an extra podcast out of it. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, well, I am wondering what the next news to drop in the next 24 hours will be it seems that in the 24 hours after we do a podcast everything goes berserk in in tennis land how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. What does this period mean for Roger Federer and Serena Williams? Because they're... Their canisters aren't depleting because they're not playing, but they are old. Aging. For want of it, yeah, they are aging. First of all, just for those tennis podcast listeners who haven't been listening to us for the last four years, uh, Catherine's reference to the canister is something Roger Federer said once about needing to refill his canister. The greatest ever use of English as a second language, Roger Federer's. Um, use of uh, the analogy, or it was when he was coming back from his little meniscus surgery, wasn't it? No, when was it? So, that, something it was, like that. wasn't it? When he decided to skip clay and yes, and be ready for the was, grass. It was then he said he he expressed a sort of fine an athlete having a finite amount of tennis in them a finite number of matches or sets or games in terms of his canister of tennis and um he said i haven't been losing time while i've been on the sidelines because my canister hasn't been depleting i've just almost been kind of deferring that time until the end of my career and that is all true it and hey, the canister theory has borne out perfectly for for Roger Federer um, over the past few years. But canister time is of more value at 37 years old than it is at 38 years old and of more value at 38 years old than 39 years old. You know, there is a limit to the canister theory. You know, you can't just take the next 20 years off and come up, come back and use the remainder of his canister in his 50s. Yeah, but basically he is going to have not missed anything during his layoff. Yeah. So that's a benefit to him. I, I think. But he, he also loses the advantage. He thought he was going to come back fresh as a daisy, spring chicken. I've been oh, yeah, practicing true. and, you know, everyone else is going to be a spring oh, chicken, but they're going to be God. a they're younger spring, back spring chicken. Oh, they're all fresh. 
Um, <laughs> so, you know, to a slightly lesser degree, sort of similar for, for Serena Williams, who whose takeaway from sort of last year was, I need to play more tennis. <laughs> well... Um, the universe has got other ideas, Serena. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, what I does it mean for Andy Murray and Kim Clijsters? Yeah, people like crikey. that. It's a, I don't. I really don't know. I. I, I would. I don't you know, think Joe it Conta would make that can, much difference. Can rehab that knee injury. Yeah, I think. I think the clearest group of people it benefits is younger players who are injured and having a having a period to rehab where ordinarily they would be missing tournaments and people would be making gains on them like Conta, Andrescu, um, Nishikori, you know. Del Potro. Del Potro. We'd all sort of given up really on the prospect of a a meaningful Del Potro comeback again. But hey, maybe it's possible. Del Potro having to not experience FOMO (laughs) during a rehab period. For once. I now think anything is possible, given what's yeah. been going on the last few weeks. Um, maybe This will benefit me against Solihull Simon, won't it? Because he's older than me. Is he older than you? I yeah. don't think you've ever confessed that before. Oh, he's a bit older. Quite a bit I love, older. Well, Matt's just expressed Nishikori as a younger young. player. Know, he's that, 30, I know. Matt. I was, that was a relative term in comparison <laughs> to Serena Williams and Roger Federer. <laughs> Ah, very interesting. <sighs> uh, the, the other nice thing about the fact that we're able to do another podcast is it, it enables me to address the fact that Catherine's final social event before distancing began was karaoke. And I forgot to mention it on Monday. Um, yeah, it was used to sell Monday's podcast. Yeah. And then we forgot. Where did you go with Catherine? Um, what did I sing? I mean, it now it feels like it happened in a different age. It really, it, yeah. Um, I reluctantly, with the coercement of quite a lot of alcohol, um, sung Shania Twain, Man, I Feel Like a Woman. You've got to go with bangers at karaoke because you've got to have the room with you. Um, someone. Catherine was consulting us. Catherine was asking our views. Someone sung "Grandma's Hands" by Bill Withers, and I just thought, no. <laughs> you gave them a withering look. No, just got to go with bangers that everyone knows the words to, so you're not alone up there. Grandma's hands. Like a, couldn't believe like it. Like the one and only. Who's that by? It's Chesney Hawks. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that That'd work, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah, you you're in the right ballpark. So I did that. I, I did. Am the one oh. and only. We all we there all got go. it, David. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> what uh, just happened? I, so those I'm are the moving bangers. on quickly, Matt. Um, I, I did. Uh, I did a duet of "No Doubt, Don't Speak." Um, and uh, then I crescendoed on uh, "Born in the USA." Yes. Now we're talking. Which was David's suggestion. Excellent. I'm very proud. Bangers, you see. Bangers. Whoever stood up and sung um, an Adele album track. Goodness. I mean, (laughs) 
get out. You've got to have a lot of self-confidence for that, haven't you? you yeah. You were um, debating over whether to do Taylor Swift's Trouble, which we thought was, yeah. was the most appropriately named track. Yeah, but somebody, the, the first number of the night was a different uh, Taylor Swift track. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so I thought it might be too much Taylor Swift. Um, and I'm also mentally preparing myself for, for the fact that the tickets I've got to see Taylor Swift in Hyde Park later this year might soon become null and void. Hmm. R.I.P. Okay. me bopping along to Taylor Swift in Hyde Park. Oh, uh, oh well, we've still got loads of tennis to talk about. Yeah. Well, well we haven't got real yeah. tennis to talk about. We've <laughs> no, got I to mean, make it up. Literally not, David. <laughs> Don't worry, we have, folks. Don't, don't stop listening. Don't unsubscribe to the Tennis Podcast because stuff is still going to happen big time on this show. In fact, more than ever. I will. Um, I'll, um, I'll live stream unpacking my case. No, no, it's better than that, folks. <laughs> don't listen to that. Um, can I tell them what, what, we've got, what we've got next? Sure. Yeah, can I? Right, cool. Uh, guess who listeners guess who is going to join us to answer your questions only mary carillo how cool is that the coolest the coolest a listener question special with mary carillo she is only too happy to to come on with us and uh, so send in your questions we have uh, an email address in the show notes below we've got our social media channels we'll be advertising for questions for mary anything you want to ask her she'll give you give you the full the full version of her her incredible brain uh, on our podcast and uh, range and- of impersonations Yes, we got a little, a few little highlights uh, and previews on uh, on our WhatsApp group the other day. Amazing! Uh, so we'll be doing our very best to get all the best stories out of Mary uh, in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be trying to get some big interviews on, and we're going to watch some oldies, some great matches from the past together, and do some retrospective shows. Can't wait! David loves the past. <laughs> When you get to this sort of age, you start looking at your life in a little different of way. You know. Yeah, um, I've proposed that we watch uh, Isna Mahu in its entirety. The Isna Mahu challenge. Oh, I draw the line. I mean... We're going to do it, aren't we? We're going to do it. You two are. I haven't got 12 hours straight oh, I have. available. Are you, are you sure about that? <laughs> you, you have for the next two days until the schools close. Yeah, that's true. Um, incidentally, Catherine, you asked about tennis in Spain and wondered what what the scene was like there. Um, we've had an email in from Los Bloom, listener in Spain at the moment, who says, first of all, thank you for giving me some normality in these awful and strange times. It truly is appreciated. Regarding Catherine's question on your latest pod on the situation of Spanish players, sadly I can only answer as an amateur, but much will apply to all. My local authority in Andalusia and one suspects this was replicated throughout Spain, took the decision last week before the official government lockdown was announced to close all municipal sports facilities both indoor and out. The many tennis courts are technically private and within private grounds, so up until Monday they could still have been usable. So since Monday, a game of tennis for us ordinaries is not going to be considered a good enough reason to be outdoors, however much I'd like to disagree, and would and I would be subject to a €600 Euro fine. 
For a pro, assuming they can access a court, they, their coach and fitness trainer can, as far as I understand, be deemed to be simply doing their normal jobs of work and therefore breaking no laws. It'd be interesting to know if a passing police patrol agreed one suspects that this may be determined by the fame of the player. It's quite interesting, isn't it? By the way, Catherine, I we met during the rain delay in New York awaiting the Novak against Federer 2015 final and had a lovely chat. I love it when people are just the same off mic as on it. How oh, very nice. Thanks, Loz. Thanks, Loz. That was really interesting. I mean, just She's the, like the idea of me. people being fined for playing tennis is just mind-blowing and the and the fact that that you know feels normal <laughs> now mm, yeah the, the 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 rate of sort of adjustment to new normals is well yeah crazy i i, I genuinely i don't know really whether i'm allowed to take my kids to the local tennis courts or not for a knock I around i don't i don't think it's ethical to do that it might be allowed but i don't even if there's nobody there you be being it's it's non-essential it's non-essential mm. and if they turn an ankle and needs and needs emergency yeah, treatment w- for me i think we've all got a social responsibility to to not do things that that risk putting extra pressure on the services and i mean uh, I'm I'm growing increasingly frustrated with people saying, you know, I do, it, this blitz spirit of I don't mind if I get it, you know, it's fine, it's just the flu, I can cope with the flu. I don't mind if you get it either, buddy. We've all got to behave as if we've got it and what, what worry about an what, what, what about spreading it. Well, yeah, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be doing anything that that puts any additional risk of it happening. But you've also got to get exercise. Yeah. But there is more chance of turning your ankle playing tennis than there is being in the garden and... Yeah. It's, I, I can see the face you're making at me, David. I agree. It is utter shite. It's awful. Yeah. But... I just don't know where the line is. I mean, I do know where the line is on most things, virtually all of it, but... Um... Yeah. Is it essential? Is the question. I'm. I'm just a little if bit concerned. If it's outside about... of your house, you need to ask whether it's essential. You go stir crazy though if you can't even like hit a ball around your garden. I mean, I think hitting hitting that's in your house, isn't it? Pretty much. So that I would say that's different to going to the local tennis club. Okay. But yeah, I think going stir crazy, David, is is a battle you need to be prepared to lose. Like mm. I'd <laughs> I'd give up that fight. Good job, I'm sooner, jolly, isn't sooner it? Sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if you were me, David. <laughs> yeah, but you got me to cheer <laughs> with you up. a propensity to be grumpy. Oh, we've also Just got imagine. All, we've also got these lovely emails from our listeners yeah. uh, to cheer us up as well. I'm just going to read a couple of these out because it's really. It's really touched all of us. Um, Holmes Finch has written to say, thanks for the pod. I just wanted to tell you how much I've enjoyed the latest podcast. I totally agree with your take that sports do fill an important niche in many of our lives, much in the way that art does. And listening to you all talk about tennis and laugh together very much brightened my afternoon as I work in social isolation. 
Uh, Karen Ann Keating says... A little bit of sunshine. Dear Catherine, David and Matt, I want to thank you for committing to the weekly podcast, even when they won't be, there won't be any tennis for the next few months. I've been listening to you religiously for the last two years, most podcasts at least three times to be sure I don't miss anything. That is commitment. <laughs> Very good stuff, Karen. Uh, the Rafa one in particular, I really enjoyed before the clay last year. Yes, the uh, the Rafael Nadal special, which uh, quickly became out of date when I said he would only win one more French Open, then he went and immediately won the US Open. So there we are. That's how much you should listen to that. No, it's really good, honestly. Uh, in this frightening and depressing time, we all need a little bit of sunshine. Thanks again. Uh, and finally, uh, Don Kintner from Charlotte in North Carolina. Catherine, David, Matt and the entire Tennis Podcast team, thanks for continuing to produce new episodes of the Tennis Podcast. It's recognized worldwide for bringing all of us a more thorough perspective of the pro tennis tours and news and insights we may not be able to gather on our own. So nice, isn't it? I mean, is it really that? Oh, I'm really touched. Um, it's like getting together with friends to go deep on tennis talk. It's awesome and it never gets old. Isn't that nice? We're just reading out compliments now, David. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Spreading the love. Cheers, Don. Um, yeah, I tell you what, some of those messages have really, really meant a lot to us over the past few days because, yeah, we're we're feeling what you're feeling and, um, yeah, we're trying to be here for you in a very small way so to to hear hear about it meaning something however little that might be um is is a great privilege for us so thank you and and yeah keep sending them in if you want to um we're reading them we're replying to them join the reddit community you've missed david's ama but (laughs) there's still it's still there you can read the answers it was intense. It might actually even be better to to view it retrospectively, sort of. Um, <laughs> You're making that you know, in it was quite a hectic experience. I had to have a break and watch some MasterChef. <laughs> Don't tell me what happens. I'm watching that tonight. Okay. Um, yeah, my answers became less and less coherent the more of that gin and tonic that I had. But um, yeah, I had a go. It was frenzied. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah, the, Reddit, I was, I was the Reddit community is really cool. Three questions would come in, and then there was a hundred and eight. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> superb. Yeah, we're going we're to have listener question specials here as well on the show, so you can get some into to us on this. Um, anything else, folks? Before we go, uh, I have some shout outs. Oh, brilliant! Got shout outs on this extra pod on a Thursday. Go on, Matt. Uh, to James Benham. Hey, James. Cheers, James. Fiona McGregor. Hey, Fiona. And Enrique Rosales. Oh, what a name. Yeah, that's great. Great name. I want that name. I want to be called <laughs> Enrique, Enrique Ros- R- R- What did I say? <laughs> Rosales. Oh, Enrique yeah, Rosales. Yeah. Thank you all very what much. A name. My jigsaws have just been delivered. <laughs> have they? Yeah. You got you. This is life what? now. What are your jigsaws of? How many pieces? Uh, well, I jumped on the uh, a thousand pieces each. Oh boy! I mean, <laughs> I've got to spin this out as long as possible. Um, I jumped on the jigsaw train quite late, so options were limited. I went cheery 
Um, so one is a, a, a Disney scene. <laughs> yes. Can my kids and come over? The other oh. one is a chintzy scene uh, with a cat in it. Awesome. What's the Disney one? Just like a load of different Disney characters just chilling out. Can we live stream send, that I'll so send... we can watch? <laughs> sure. Desperate times. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I'm streaming a jigsaw. Oh, my word. What does that mean? Why do you want to Isna Mahu or a live stream of a jigsaw? You can have Isna Mahu, you can have a live stream of jigsaw, you can have me unpacking my case. Right, I'm pole vaulting that. <laughs> and that has been another edition of the Tennis Podcast. Yes, folks, Mary Carrillo is coming your way. And uh, we are going to be bringing that to you over the next couple of weeks. So you can bet that we will be back with another edition of the Tennis Podcast on Monday. Look after yourselves until then. We'll speak to you soon. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.